Welcome to Catholic Radio Indy's Lunchtime Podcast Sampler. I'm Kent Blanford. Each week, we'll bring you a sampling of some of the best podcasts being prepared and shared out there on the internet. Advent is just around the corner, so in order to find our way past the early Christmas decor, this week on the sampler, we're focusing once again on Advent. First up is a podcast from the Catholic Apostolic Center's On Mission series. Kate Fowler, Chris Pierdo, and Center founding director, Father Frank Donio, give us a preview of the season of Advent and share some resources that may just make this season the most special of all. Welcome to On Mission, a podcast from the Catholic Apostolate Center. This is a recast of the episode Advent, where our hosts, Father Frank, Kate, and Chris, are joined by special guest, Jonathan Sitko, who is the Assistant Director of Programs. I'm a big fan of the season of Advent. I I, I think that, uh, and not just simply because that means we can put up Christmas decorations. I think that that sometimes when, when Advent starts to come around, people are, are, are thinking, oh, right now I can get the Christmas decorations out from the attic, the basement, the closet, wherever it is, and start to put these things out. But there's a, a lot of different things that are associated with Advent itself as, as a season, but also a number of symbols and customs. And as a, at our Catholic Apostolate Center website, there's a whole set of Advent resources And we found that one of our most popular pages, not just on the Advent resources, but just in general on our site, are the symbols and customs of Advent. And so we have with us, as our guest, John Sitko, the Assistant Director of Programs for the Catholic Apostolate Center, who put together our Advent resources and really did a deep dive and research into all this, and and particularly this this particular particular page of symbols and customs of Advent. So welcome, John. Glad to have you. Thank you. So what was behind uh, some of the reason why the center put together these Advent resources and, and particularly this this page on symbols and customs as well as history? Um, so a bit of background, almost a little almost five years ago now, um, I was brought on full time. And one of the questions that when I started was looking at resources in the church at large, as well as um, on our own center website of resources, which already had a lot at the time, of these questions of well, what are things that are are assumed but missing that can help with that sort of evangelization effort. And one of the things that I, I looked at in particular was this question of there's a lot of stuff on Christmas, understanding the, the history of Christmas, understanding the symbolism behind certain Christmas items, but there isn't as much around the history and some of the customs around Advent. You know, things like why do we have the Advent Advent wreath, for instance. What is the symbolism behind the candles? What is the purpose behind those sorts of elements? And so, um, with the help of a variety of staff members, including Father Frank, um, I took a good amount of time researching and looking up a variety of these customs to understand that there is a, a deep sort of symbolism and a deep sort of understanding of our, our Christian faith through these symbols of Advent. Kate, do you do the Advent wreath in your home? Is that something that that you've taken on as a custom in your your family? Yeah, definitely. We actually have a parish day where we do a lot of these different Advent activities. And one one of the things that they have is making your own Advent wreath as a family. And they have a bunch of different 
um, actual live like garlands and evergreens and the the different berries and you you put them all together and the kids get involved and and that's made the advent wreath even more special for us because we're making it anew each year as a family so what is all that about some of those things you know kate mentioned a few of those things the evergreens the candles what's mm-hmm. What's all that about, John? So, I mean, with the wreath itself, it's evergreen, which is an older tradition, medieval in in terms of its history. Um, But the green is to symbolize everlasting life. Um, A big thing with Advent, with a lot of the symbols, with a lot of the customs, is this duality between um, the preparation or the commemoration of Christ's birth, you know, that of, you know, 2000 years ago, but also that preparation for the for the upcoming end times. And so there's this question of eternity. There's also this question of hope um, that happens throughout a lot of the symbols of Advent. Um, when you look at, for example, you know the, the traditional Advent wreath has four candles on it, three that are purple, one that is pink or can be rose, um, symbol of the four weeks, traditional four weeks of Advent, um, purple being you know, the, the, the piece of penance that we look at also during Lent, this penitential sort of waiting, patience and that sort of thing. And then on the third Sunday of Advent, there, we light the pink candle, which is to, or rose, depending on who, what kind of wreath you use. But it's to celebrate the joyful Gaudete Sunday, which is that sort of joyful piece. Um, in my family, and it also means that Christmas is almost here. <laughs> True. <laughs> um, in my family, we would also have a fifth candle, which we would have in the middle, which would be a white candle to symbolize when Christmas actually came, to symbolize the light of Christ. Um, that's also pretty popular in a lot of places and a lot of churches I used to grow up in. Now, there are ways of, of trying to count down the, the, the time and the season of Advent. And there's the, the, the idea of a calendar, perhaps. Yeah, uh, even, Lego, would, even Lego I was going to say, there's even a, a beer one yes, at Costco the, uh, this year. <laughs> I've really know. taken on a life of its own uh, <laughs> outside of the Christian tradition. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, with, uh, which is a fascinating. Mm-hmm. One of the things you see, there's a ton of things that um, traditionally have come from the Christian tradition that have been somewhat uh, secularized, right? And I think Advent, the Advent calendar is one of them. And the fact that they're actually calling it the Advent calendar, too, I think is really interesting. Like it's they stripped away the word. Well, it's like the Easter Bunny, right? <laughs> Easter. And it, it, it's yeah, it's yeah. a fascinating thing. But John, do you tell us more about um, the maybe the the actual Christian origins of the? Well, um, it's usually it's actually designed more back in the day, back in more medieval period. It was a lot more ornate. It was made with wood and these sorts of things. Um, there isn't actually like a, a well-known history of like when did it start per se, but it's one of those things much like the Avent Reef. It's some point in that, you know, early second millennium, maybe around the, you know, 10th and 12th centuries where there was a tradition of giving out gifts or cookie or goods or whatever for children to symbolize the waiting for Christmas. And usually it would end on December 24th. Um, in my family, for instance, we had a Mickey Mouse one that was similar like that. And, you know, the idea is that, you know, you start on December 1st and you go to December 24th. It's it's changed what's in those, you know, Advent counters and what they're made of. Some of them are pretty simple. Some of them are very ornate. But it's this this idea to serve as sort of a visual representation of the upcoming waiting of Christmas. Um, there isn't a, a there isn't a ton of 
true Christology, you know, in that sense of it. But there is also this understanding of the waiting for Christ. You know, that that is the, the key element of any sort of advent calendar besides the, you know, ornaments and gifts. Candy. Like yeah. Wine. <laughs> there were a couple of course, you know, during the during that this period, people will put up a, often will put up a Christmas tree. But there are a couple other types of, of trees that are that go with this Advent season. One's the the Jesse tree and another is not so much a, a, a liturgical thing or and I, neither of them really are. But they're they've kind of come into the into customs um, in a number of parishes. There's this thing that they call the giving tree, which is off of a little children's storybook. Um, but. John, where, where, did the, where did these two things, what are they coming out of? I mean, one is very recent, right. historically, the other as a... Well, the, Jess, the Jesse tree, which is the first one you were talking about, is probably, that one's a fairly old tradition. Mm -hmm. um, I and seem that, to remember doing it in school. Yeah. Sort of Children-oriented. Uh, it's not even so much children-oriented. It's just one of our, of any of the stuff we talk about besides maybe the Advent wreath, this is probably one of the oldest traditions we do. And it really is based its roots in Matthew chapter one, um, the genealogy of Jesus. I love reading. <laughs> That's fun. The faster and, you can read yeah. it without tripping over the names, the better. The names. Yeah. And so a Jesse tree is is it can be very ornate. It can be made of paper. You know, it could be a literal tree. But it's this this tracing of the roots basically between Abraham and Jesus. And it, it uses all of the names basically that fall through that genealogy. And, you know, they use different symbols and different ornaments and different sort of ideas. I think like, for instance, David is David with a crown, Noah with a boat. Um, Abraham has certain ones, but they all have sort of this idea of a visual representation of the, like the kingly uh, genealogy of Jesus. And it also serves as like a reminder of the Old Testament. I know we're probably gonna talk a little bit later on about the Oantiphons as being a similar sort of Christmas or Advent tradition to talk about the connection between the old and the new, the past and the future. Um, and the Jesse tree serves as like the very literal um, sort of representation of that Old Testament. Um, the giving tree is a very sort of new, new idea. Um, and like in my home parish, this was a very popular thing because it sort of, talked about the it sort of i guess the best way i could describe it is it sort of baptized some of the the reason for the season type of stuff or like the the nature of being like charitable and giving during the, the holidays um and it, it's pretty i mean it's pretty literal to what it sounds like um you develop sort of gifts to give to those who are who are needy to sort of exemplify the sort of charitable acts that we're supposed to exemplify during that period I, I think i've seen it as like you go pick up an angel off the tree and it has a a, a a number on it and that's the number of the year of how old of the child that you should buy the gift for and if it's pink it's a girl blue it's a boy or sometimes it's like uh actual items that are mm -hmm. needed for a food pantry or for uh you know for a homeless shelter yeah, socks and right different um, gloves and it, it, yeah it's a, a definitely a uh something that i think is very prevalent nowadays but yeah mm -hmm. certainly has its roots and well i mean any sort of charitable act has its root in right. <laughs> christian tradition hopefully and so 
um, in the on the the resource page that we'll probably link back to. Hopefully, um, I put in there that it links directly back into Matthew twenty five forty. What you do to least of these, you do unto me. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's best best to understand the the giving tree as sort of a best as a very practical and real. Um, exemplification of that mm-hmm. that which, idea which goes to that point that you've made a little earlier about that's that uh, the aspect of advent of it being about the end of time mm-hmm. uh, and toward the end of ordinary time and when you get to the uh, feast of um, our lord jesus christ uh, the king of the universe you have this that matthew 25 figures pretty prominently in in the liturgy and then those first couple weeks of Advent mm-hmm. are about really focused on that. Um, toward the toward the end of Advent, then there's another symbol that often comes out, uh, and and it's one that my my mother collects. Mm-hmm. Uh, she co- mm-hmm. she collects nativity scenes. It's which which becomes kind of massive. I think she has like 140 wow. or more nativity scenes, full blown scenes. Wow. Some wow. of them are just the Holy Family. Some of them are these amazing kinds of made of all sorts of materials all sorts of of um cultural groups and really a, a fascinating thing when i was at saint Jude Shrine in baltimore we would display them uh and there for people to to sing and she would go on a traveling show uh, but usually they're they're in her in her house and we've we've joked as a family that we'll open a nativity scene museum uh, you know Years from now, uh, it, it's a popular thing I've seen at, at to, to have these custom, even the custom of showing the different nativity scenes from different cultures yes. from around the world. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so your your mother was ahead of the time. Yes, mm-hmm. really. So where where does that come from, John? Um, so that one's actually fairly unlike some of these other traditions and customs. This one we know exactly who it was, and that was Saint Francis of Assisi. That was a thing he did in Italy, and it was live. Yes. Yeah, that one was literally made with the straw and all that mm-hmm. type of stuff um, in What's the 13th. The crash? Crash. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he developed it as in this, you know, pretty fit, fits well with Assisi style. It was used as to emphasize the humility of the savior of the world coming as a poor child in a in a poor manger. In the incarnation. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, you know, we've talked we already talked about some of the stuff that they can be very ornate. They don't necessarily have to look like St. Francis of Assisi necessarily made them in the 13th century. Um, and one one thing of note, actually, that was fun to research was um, some people use a variation on the on the nativity scene or the creche. Um, like, for instance, in my house um, in a lot of places I knew and grew up with, they would just have the whole scene laid out. Um, some play, some people like to emphasize that the waiting element and have the, the manger empty mm-hmm. uh, with the baby Jesus until oh, Christmas Eve. I was just going to say, uh, my mother does not put out the baby Jesus figurine until Christmas. Mm-hmm. Everyone else is there. Right. Sometimes mm-hmm. the wise men don't make right. an appearance until uh, <laughs> Epiphany. Um, but yes, my mother uh, very adamant that the, the, the baby does not go in the manger until, until Christmas. And Advent takes a, a turn after the 16th of December. The, the 17th to the 23rd is a, a deeper preparation for Advent. It's in a very important liturgical time uh, within the church. There's these antiphons that are associated with, uh, with Vespers or evening prayer. Uh, and uh, they start on the 17th and run through the, the uh, 20, uh, 23rd. And that's a by vespers or evening prayer from the liturgy, the hours the churches 
prayer. Um, so that you have O Sapientia, meaning O Wisdom, or O Adonai, O Lord or Ruler, O Rodix, O Root of Jesse, O Clavis, O Key of David, O Oriens, O Radiant Dawn, uh, Rex Gentium, O King of the Nations, and O Emmanuel, God with us, O God with us. And that, that the, those all have um, scriptural connections to scripture in the, in the prophet uh, Isaiah. But this, this period really is a, a, a deep portion of, of Advent uh, liturgically that prepares us to go into, into that, uh, the celebration of, of Christmas uh, most especially. So the, the, the first coming that you were mentioning. Um, when we when we look at this, John, in in terms of all this this preparation, um, what would you say would be one of the, like the, the key things that we should take away in terms of of how Advent we can celebrate Advent? I mean, this is just me speaking from you know my life and experience. I grew up in a town that very much pri- or prided itself on its Christmas uh, elements. It was Christmas City, USA. Yeah. What's, Bethle- what's, what's, Bethlehem. Oh, yes. yes, yes. Um, some, some people would have their Christmas card sent yep, in there. So. Yep. Um, and really? Yeah. Yes. Yep. Oh, yeah. That's a, a thing. That's a great idea. Yeah, because it'll say Bethlehem, Christmas oh. City, USA, <laughs> right on the stamp. It's Learn very popular. something new every day on this card. Yep. Um, I think... I think a big piece and a big takeaway is understanding that a lot of our symbols and a lot of the things we take for granted. I mean, we didn't talk about, for instance, the Christmas tree or the ornaments or any like we talked about the nativity and all these sorts of things to understand it, that the Advent season is a twofold season, um, that it is both a preparation of the past, an acknowledgement of the past in the sense that Christ had come and you know died for us eventually, but had been born as a child. The fulfillment of the Old Testament, you know, in the Old Antiphons, they specifically are that piece of fulfilling the prophet Isaiah's um, statements of who the Messiah would be, um, as well as, you know, this. The, I think the most important thing is to recognize the other element of, of um, Advent is not only just the commemoration of the past, but acknowledging that Christ will be coming again. That's like a, a key piece of a lot of the symbolism and a lot of the the cultural elements of advent is to understand that there is that christ will come again and as catholics that is a very important thing that these weeks of advent are supposed to serve and remind us of that it's a a waiting for us not only of the of the christ to have come and acknowledge the past but that christ will come again in the end times um not in a like a very apocalyptic way but in a very hopeful way Mm -hmm. in that same sense we actually got a nativity scene for uh, as a wedding gift and that was actually one of our favorite I, wedding gifts. It was just so, so thoughtful mm-hmm. and something that as a newly married couple, we would have never like thought to purchase or, or request. I, also, and it's, I yeah, also got one too. I think it's yeah. a lovely idea. And we actually got married in the Advent season, which isn't very typical in, on December 19th. And so for our honeymoon, we were still in Advent and we went to Rome and each church there has their own crush. Another Presepe, yes. Incredible. And so we would go from like church to church and just look at all of these different um, iterations of, you know, of, of the baby Jesus being born, as you said earlier, in these incredibly humble conditions. And something that they did there is 
they really emphasize like the chaos with which in which he was born. Like the point is to make it difficult to find the baby Jesus within just daily life, especially since at the time, um, you know, everyone was there for the census. And so they're having just all of these normal things. And you're like, how, where do we find Christ in all of this? And so that was just a really beautiful thing for us to do as a couple, newlywed couple. I was just looking up more information about the Christmas stamp. That's <laughs> but um, that, that actually brings up a really interesting topic that just kind of thought of was Advent being this time of preparation and then often sending those Christmas cards too. I think the Advent is a time for, is a good time for us as Catholics to uh, engage in conversation about our faith. Um, and I think the resource pages that John, uh, and with the help of many others that put together, are serve as a good resource for folks that are looking for a way to dive a little deeper into uh, the more superficial aspects of the season. Well, and I think the other thing, part of the reason you brought up a good thing that I wanted to mention about sort of the Advent resources is a lot of times, you know, you know, the Advent season gets lumped in with the Christmas season in the larger secular world, and it. Ten, you know, even though Advent wreaths and Advent can or uh, Advent calendars are used a lot, there tends to be a forgetfulness of that sort of um, period of reflection and that period of um, waiting. I mean, there's a, there's a very strong intentionality that three of the four weeks of Advent are purple, you know, symbolizing the similar uh, similar motifs and similar ideas that Lent would serve. Um, and I think a big important thing that I realized and, you know, a lot of the staff had realized over the years with the Advent resources, it serves as a good reminder to take a break and understand that this is a period of reflection and a period of prayer. Um, you know, the OA Antiphon serve is a very tangible way of doing that, but the entire season should serve as sort of that prayer and reflection of, um, especially because in, as we as Catholics acknowledge Advent as the beginning of a new year, it's not, you know, it's not the, it's not the, end of the year as Christmas would fall on a calendar. Oh, yeah, it's the beginning of a liturgical year. Um, and so acknowledging that as, well, here are the new beginnings and here's what I need to reflect on, I think is an important thing as well. Well, thank you, John, for, for being with us to, to talk about uh, the symbols and customs of Advent and some background on Advent. I think it's a uh, been a wonderful conversation really gives us something to prepare ourselves for Adventus the coming mm -hmm. and so as we uh, bring this podcast to a close Chris will tell us how you can find us you can uh, certainly find us online on our website at catholicapostolatecenter.org follow us on uh, social media on Facebook Twitter Instagram we'll be sharing um, lots of great posts and content during the Advent season uh, into the Christmas season, and then, of course, well into ordinary time uh, throughout the year, of course. Um, be sure to share this podcast with your friends and uh, your family, especially if maybe uh, a cousin is a little curious about what something may be. You can you can just send them this podcast. Um, and, of course, be sure to leave us a five-star review or uh, a like on your podcatcher of choice. And may the charity of Christ urge us on. Thank you again for listening to this recast episode of On Mission. 
please be sure to like, review, and subscribe wherever you find your podcasts. Or visit us online at catholicapostolatecenter.org. Thank you. You're listening to the Lunchtime Podcast Sampler on Catholic Radio Indy. And we'll be back with more looking at the season of Advent right after this. The selfish become generous. The bitter become better. The sinner discovers forgiveness. And the creator of love is introduced. It's known to happen here. Positive change. Catholic Radio Indy. Catholic Radio Indy has a new look. It's our website. Yes, we have a new website that makes everything about Catholic Radio Indy easier. It's clean, straightforward, and simple to use. You can listen to us live, see our schedule, and our map. You can even silence your phone and take it right into Mass to follow the daily readings. And don't forget, you can get all of our programming through the podcast tab. This makes everything so much easier. So just go to catholicradioindy.org and check us out. Ever since we've been on the air at Catholic Radio, we've always wanted to have billboards, but they just don't fit in our budget. And since you'll probably never see a real billboard for us, I'm going to ask you to do something, to imagine one. In your mind, picture a large, empty billboard. Yeah, that's it. Now pick a background color, any color at all. Okay, then across the top of your billboard, put just two words, Catholic Radio. Make them really big. Then below that, in even bigger letters, Put 89.1 and 90.9 FM. Wow, that's a great billboard. Now, if this billboard were real, all of your friends and neighbors could see it, and they'd know all about Catholic Radio. But since it's only an imaginary billboard, we're going to have to depend on you to tell your friends about Catholic Radio. Remember, Catholic Radio 89.1 and 90.9 FM. Oh, and by the way, nice choice on that background color. It really looks good. Alexa, what's the weather forecast for today? Alexa, what time is the Colts game today? Alexa, remind me to pick up the dry cleaning tomorrow. Has Alexa become a part of your daily routine? Then make sure that routine includes Alexa, play Catholic Radio Indy. Catholic Radio Indy. Quick, easy access to Catholic programming 24-7. Just say, Alexa, play Catholic Radio Indy. Catholic Radio Indy. Have you ever thought about joining the Catholic Church? Have you just wanted to explore the Catholic faith? All you need to do is call your local Catholic Church for more information. We are always happy to help you in your journey to discover and learn more about the Catholic faith. We have classes that are almost year-round, and the classes and information sessions do not involve making a commitment, and there is no pressure to join. Please call your local Catholic parish for more information today and start the journey of one day possibly becoming Catholic as well. God bless. Welcome back. The run-up to Christmas in the secular world is often a time of stress and anxiety. Parties, decorations, finding just the right gift for Aunt Mabel, or tracking down the last available copy of this year's must-have video game, which by the way will be out of date by mid-February, all seems too rushed. And now that the stores are pushing out Christmas sales the day after Halloween, there is almost no escaping it. So our next offering on today's sampler comes from AmericanMagazine.org as they invite us to pray with our imagination during the season of Advent. Tucker Redding begins a special six-episode Advent season of the Imagine podcast to guide us through Scripture 
using the practice of Ignatian contemplation. Hi, I'm Tucker Redding, creator and host of Imagine, a guide to Jesuit prayer. If you're new to this podcast, welcome. And if you're a returning listener, welcome back. I'm excited to bring you this new six-part season of Imagine. In the upcoming episodes, we'll contemplate together the incarnation of Jesus Christ and journey with Mary and Joseph from the Annunciation to the Nativity. If you're new to this podcast, you might also consider checking out the series preview episode titled, What is Ignatian Contemplation?, which gives some helpful tips for this type of prayer. Now, let's get started. Welcome to Imagine, a guide to Jesuit prayer from America Media, a Jesuit ministry. In this podcast, I'll guide you through a form of prayer called Ignatian Contemplation, in which you use your imagination to see and interact with various scenes from Scripture. Think of it as an audio retreat that you could participate in, whoever you are, wherever you like. If this is the first time that you're listening, I recommend going back and listening to the series preview episode titled, What is Ignatian Contemplation? Before we begin, I encourage you to listen to this podcast while you're in a quiet place, somewhere you can shut out all distractions. While a quiet, reflective space isn't necessarily required, it can help enhance your prayer experience. If you have the opportunity, try closing your eyes so that you might imagine the scenes more clearly. But of course, only if you can do so safely. So don't close your eyes if you're driving or walking. This episode will be a bit different from season one. Rather than imagining a scene from scripture, we'll use a contemplative practice from the spiritual exercises of St. Ignatius. Before reflecting on the life of Jesus, Ignatius invites us to contemplate the Incarnation from the point of view of the Trinity. In this scene, we observe as God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, watches the world and decides to enter into human history in the person of Jesus. Some aspects of this scene might be easier to imagine than others. Relax and let the images come to you. If parts of the exercise are difficult to imagine, don't worry and don't force the experience. Be open and trust the Holy Spirit to guide your thoughts as you listen and pray. First, let's begin with a short breathing exercise. Breathe deeply, in and out, in and out. Continue a few more deep breaths, in and out. With each exhale, 
Feel your muscles relax. Release any worries or anxieties that you might have at this moment. Feel the presence of God around you and invite the Holy Spirit to join you in this time of prayer. Come, Holy Spirit, be with us and guide us in our prayer. Help us to shut out all distractions and to see what you want us to see. Help us to trust in your guidance and to feel your presence. St. Ignatius encourages us to ask for a grace that we hope to receive in our prayer. We ask for the grace to know and feel the love of God for humanity through the act of the Incarnation. We'll begin by imagining the persons of the Trinity dwelling together in heaven. Start with the place. Your imagination might be drawn to images of heaven from art or movies. Or perhaps you might imagine a place that fills you with peace. What does heaven look like? Now picture the three persons of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. What do they look like? How do you feel in their presence?
focus on Jesus for a moment. What does Jesus look like? The Trinity looks into the world. Look at the world with them. They see all the people of the world. People of different nations, languages, and cultures. Look with them as they see the beauty and complexity of the natural world. All species of animals and plants. They see how everything is connected. What do you see? Look at the persons of the Trinity as they look at the world. How do they feel in this moment? They continue to watch the world. Some people are being born, and others are laid to rest. Some people are in peace, while others are at war. the young and the old, the rich and the poor, the happy and the sad. So many people, aimless, despairing, hateful, and killing. So many undernourished, sick, and dying. 
so many struggling with life and finding meaning. Listen with the Trinity and hear people laughing and crying, some shouting and screaming, some praying, others cursing God and neighbor. Take a few moments to watch and listen. Look back at the Trinity. How do they feel as they look into the world? God knows that the time has come when the mystery of salvation, hidden from the beginning of the world, will shine into the darkness and confusion. Listen as the persons of the Trinity speak. Let us work the redemption of the human race. Let us respond to the groaning of all creation. You witness this moment of love and joy. The second person of the Trinity, the Son, shall be born into the human race for the sake of its salvation. They look into the world again and they see a young woman named Mary in the city of Nazareth. What does she look like?
She is the one. She will be the mother of God. The angel Gabriel is sent to Mary to announce the divine plan and her role in it. Will she say yes? The persons of the Trinity turn to you. You have an opportunity to talk to them. If it's helpful, you might just imagine talking to Jesus. What do you want to say to God? What is God? have to tell you. Take a few moments to talk and listen for a response. Sometime after your contemplative experience, I encourage you to pray with the things that stood out to you in your prayer. What struck you the most? What challenged you? Where did you sense God the most in your prayer? Imagine, A Guide to Jesuit Prayer is a production of American Media. This series was written and edited by me, Tucker Redding. The producer is Maggie Van Dorn, and the executive producer is Sebastian Gomes. Next time on Imagine, we'll witness the announcement of the birth of Jesus. Thank you for praying with us. 
That was episode one of six from America Magazine's Advent series, Imagination, based on Ignatian Contemplation. You can find a link to the complete series in our podcast feed of the sampler at catholicradioindy.org. Rounding out our show today on Catholic Radio Indy's Lunchtime Podcast Sampler, we present a double helping of three-minute theology with Joan Watson as she explores Advent and Advent again. One thing our world doesn't do well is wait, and I'm as bad as the next person. I get agitated in traffic, I get annoyed by websites when they don't load quickly, and I burn my mouth on cookies. I don't like waiting. And so it might surprise you to hear that I don't have my Christmas decorations up yet. Now, when people ask me about it, I tell them, well, it's not Christmas. And they often respond with, oh, but I love Christmas. And I don't know how to respond because I love Christmas too. (laughs) We don't wait for things because we don't love them. We wait for them because they're worth it. And so I'm waiting for Christmas. We call this period the season of Advent. Advent is a time of waiting, and it's also a time of penance. Now that might surprise us because when we think of seasons of penance, we think of Lent. Advent, I think the penitential part of it has a little different feel. I like to think of Advent's penance being like pregnancy. Any pregnant woman would tell you that pregnancy is a time of waiting, is a time of anxiety, is a time of discomfort, and can be a time of penance. But it's also a time of joy and a time of expectation. Now, most pregnant women would be happy to deliver their babies right now, but they know that this period of waiting has a purpose. The baby needs time to develop and the woman needs time to prepare. And that's what Advent is for us. If you think about it, Advent is a microcosm of life. Our lives are spent waiting. We have 80, 90 years on this earth, but it's spent waiting for that time in heaven. We're all living for heaven, or we should be. And so we spend this time serving our Lord, loving him so that we can join him in the next. And that's Advent. We spend this time waiting in joyful expectation for the season of Christmas, which comes to us on December 25th and not before. Now, does that mean we can't go to our office Christmas party? We can't listen to Christmas music? Of course not. In our society, we have to make certain concessions. And so go to your office Christmas party, but maybe find other ways to do some sort of penance in waiting. So maybe you wait to listen to Christmas music until December 8th. It's a great way to celebrate the Feast of the Immaculate Conception. Or maybe you wait to decorate your house until the third Sunday of Advent, as we get closer to that time of Christmas. Remember, we're not waiting because we don't love Christmas. We're waiting because Christmas is worth waiting for. So happy Advent. And this is a little theology in three minutes. A deadline, great expectations, daily pressure, occasional failure. When God is with you, feel free to say, bring it on. Catholic Radio Indy. I believe that Advent is the most counter-cultural season that we celebrate. And it's not just because the world decorates for Christmas in the middle of October, but rather it's the philosophy behind Advent, that idea that it's actually a good thing sometimes to delay gratification, to put off what we really desire. You know, if I'm not decorated for Christmas yet, it's not because I hate Christmas. 
It's because I love Christmas and I want to put off that Christmas season until December 25th to really embrace this time of Advent. I believe that Christmas is worth waiting for. Advent is that time where we enter into that longing of our ancestors for the Messiah. You know, sometimes we can become rather complacent that the incarnation even happened, and we can fail to really enter into that longing, that waiting of what the world was like before the Messiah came. And Advent is that time we enter into that Jewish hope of expectation. We enter into that longing for the Messiah's second coming, whether it's his second coming at the end of the world, or for some of us, his coming at the end of our lives. We have to create that space in our lives so that we long for him, we wait for him. Advent, that time of longing, is a reminder to us that we weren't made for this world, but that there's someone, Jesus Christ, that fills that need in our lives, that fills that hole in our hearts. C.S. Lewis, echoing the words of St. Augustine, said that if I find in myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. You know, we can ignore that hole. We can ignore that longing. We can fill it with things. Or we can enter into that and recognize that Jesus Christ has come to fill that hole. And that's what Advent's about. And so enter into this time of waiting. Enter into this time of longing. Clear a space in your heart and make room for the Messiah. It's not easy in this time when the world is celebrating Christmas, but I, I challenge you to somehow delay that desire, delay that gratification, delay that pleasure, and enter into this season of Advent. I'm not saying you can't go to Christmas parties, you can't decorate for Christmas, you can't eat Christmas cookies, but if we can find a way to celebrate Advent more fully, then when that time of Christmas actually comes, the 25th and the 12 days that follow it, we can sing those Christmas carols. We can have those Christmas cookies with a greater love and appreciation because we've been waiting for it. And that's a little theology in three minutes. And that's all the time we have for this week's Lunchtime Podcast Sampler. This episode, along with links to more of the podcasts we've shared, is available at catholicradioindy.org. I'm Kent Blanford. Have a great Advent, and may God bless. You can hear the Holy Mass every day at 8 a.m. right here on Catholic Radio Indy. Did you miss something in this show or just want to hear it again? Podcasts of this and all our other great local programs are available 24-7 at catholicradioindy.org.